0: Just as I am
1: without one plea, but then thy was shed for
0: me. Hello and welcome to In the Word with Mel Bennett, a study of scripture passages from the Word of God with Pastor Mel Bennett. I'm glad you're here. My name is Steve Webb. Today, Pastor Bennett will continue his teaching from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Pastor, it's all yours.
1: Thank you, Steve, and good morning, friends. This morning's broadcast, we're going to deal with the light that comes, but was unrecognized, and we take as our chapter in verse, John chapter number 1, verses 9 through 11. The ninth verse reads like this. The true light that gives light to everyone was it coming into the world. Jesus was the light of every man. John uses a very significant word to describe Jesus. He says that Jesus came as the true light. In the Greek, there are two words that can be translated true or real. They have different shades of meaning. One is true as opposed to false. This word could be used in reference to a statement that is made. For example, if I say something, you can answer it is either true or false. The other word is real or genuine, as opposed to unreal. If we accept this translation, John is saying that Jesus is the real light that has come to enlighten and illuminate people. Before Jesus came, there were other lights, which people followed. Some were flickers of the truth, some were faint glimpses of reality, some were will o' the wisps, which people followed and which led them into the dark and left them there. Oh how true this still can be today, there are still the partial lights, there are still the false lights, and there are people who will still follow them. Jesus is the only genuine, the only real light to guide people on their way. Jesus coming into the world brought the real light to people. It was like a blaze of light. It was like the coming of the dawn. When Jesus came into the world, he came light, like a light in the dark. There are several things he did upon his coming. The first was his coming dissipated the shadows of doubt. Until Jesus came, people could only guess about God. It is difficult to find out about God, said one Greek philosopher. And when you find out about him, it is impossible to tell others about him. When Jesus came, people saw a full display of what God was like. The shadows and the mists of the dark were gone. The days of guessing were over. The light had come. Secondly, his coming dissipated the shadows of despair. Jesus came into the world of despair. They were longing for a hand to be let down to lift them up. They hated their sins, but they could not stop them. Oh, how like our day it is. People hate their sins. They do not like the way they're living, and yet they have no power to quit. With the coming of Jesus, a new power, a new dynamic came into life. You see, he came not only with knowledge, but with power. He came not only to show people the right way to live, but to enable them to live that kind of life. He gave them his presence in which the impossible things became the possible. The darkness of despair had ended. Thank God he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thirdly, his coming dissipated the darkness of death. People have always had a fear of death. Death was a torture by whatever gods there were, and the souls of people were terribly afraid in John's day. But Jesus, by his coming, his life, his death, his resurrection, showed people that death was only a way to a larger life. The darkness of death was gone because of Jesus the bitterness of death was past forever. Still further, Jesus is the light who lights every person who comes into the world. In John's day, the Jews hated the Gentiles, and a Gentile's only value was to fuel the fires of hell. The Greeks, on the other hand, could not believe that the knowledge was for everyone. They had knowledge and it was for them alone. The Romans looked down on the barbarians, those who were outside of their law. But when Jesus came, he came to be a light to all people. Only the God, who is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, has a heart big enough to hold all the world. Tragically, he came, but he was unrecognized. Look at verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and though the world was made by through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I believe there are two thoughts in John's mind when he wrote these words. The first thought was this, the time before Jesus Christ came into this world in a human body. John says he was from the beginning of time before the worlds came into being. You see, God's Logos, God's Word, was active in the world. God's creative, dynamic Word brought the world into being. Since it is the Word, the Logos, the reason of God, which made the world an ordered whole and made man a thinking being, Paul said, the whole visible things of the world were so designed by God as to lead men's thoughts to the invisible things and that if men had looked with open eyes and an understanding heart at the world, their thoughts would have been inevitably led to the creator of the world, Romans 1:19 and 20. Theology has always made a distinction between natural theology and revealed theology. Revealed theology deals with the truths that come to us directly from God. This is the word of the prophets, and more supremely in the Lord Jesus Christ. Natural theology, on the other hand, deals with the truths that man could discover by the exercise of his own mind and intellect on the world in which he lives. The question comes to us, how can we see God's word, God's logos, God's reason, God's mind in the world in which we live? First, I believe we must look outward. Greek thought said, where there is order, there must be a mind. Look at this world and you will see order all around. This is what they had to consider. The planets are all in their proper courses. The tides follow their appointed times. Seed time and harvest, summer and winter, day and night all come in their appointed times. Clearly there must be order in nature. Therefore, there must be a mind behind it all. Also, the mind must be greater than the human mind it gets results that man's mind can never do. We can do none of the above things. If there is order in the world, and there is, there must also be a mind behind that order. It only follows that mind is above and beyond our mind, and that leads us to God, if we are honest. To look outward upon the world is to come face to face with God who made the world. Secondly, I believe we must look upward. The astronomers tell us that there are as many stars as there are grains of sand upon the seashore. Think of that. And yet the heavenly bodies keep their appointed course and travel their appointed ways. Astronomers can tell within a minute and an inch when and where certain planets will move. They can tell us over the next hundred years when an eclipse of the sun will happen. tell us within a second how long it will last. When we look upward we see God. We must look thirdly inward. Where did we get the power to reason, to think, to know? Where did we get the knowledge of right and wrong? You see, even the most evil among us has an inner voice that makes him know right from wrong. We neither gave ourselves life, nor the reasons which guides and directs life. It must have come from some power outside ourselves. What of feelings of remorse, regret, and the sense of guilt. There must be power behind all of this. No person can explain themselves apart from God. I believe, fourthly, we must look backward. It is the demonstrable fact of history that moral degeneration and national collapse go hand in hand. George Bernard Shaw said, No nation has ever outlived its gods. All history is the practical demonstration in events that there is a God. Even if Jesus Christ had not come into the world in the bodily form, it still would have been possible for people to see God's Word, God's logos, God's reason in action in the world. Although the actions of the Word were was there for people to see, they did not recognize it. Secondly, I believe John's thought went like this. In the end, God's creating and directing Word did come into the world in the form of the man Jesus. John says that the Word came to his own people, and his own people did not welcome him. What does John mean by this statement? Well, when God's Word entered the world, he did not come to Rome, or Greece, or Egypt, or any of the Eastern Empires. None of the great nations of the world, or the peoples of the world, or the lands of the world, He came rather to Palestine, the place set apart as God's land and for God's people. This land and these people belong to God as no other place or people did. The Bible calls it the Holy Land, the Lord's land. God tells us it is His land. The people called it God's peculiar treasure. The people are called God's peculiar people and the Lord's portion. It seems the nations would have welcomed him with open arms. It would have seemed that he should receive a welcome as a king returning home. But he was rejected. He was welcomed with hate and not adoration. This is the tragedy of a people being prepared for a task and then refusing that task. It would be wrong to think that God prepared only the Jews. You see, God is preparing every man woman, and child in the world for a special task that he has for them. Yes, dear friend, God has a task for you to do. The tragedy is that so many people refuse the task God has prepared for them. Perhaps we could say it a bit differently. There are so few people who become what God has prepared and planned for them to be. There are many reasons that this takes place. One of the reasons, I think, is because of a secondary issue that has come become more important to them than God. My dear friend, I ask you to look at your own life and ask, is something more important to you than God? If so, put it aside and take God as first place. What is the task God has for you? Perhaps it is to raise your child and teach that one to be obedient to God and do His bidding. Maybe God wants you to speak a word of encouragement. Or be an influence to someone and stop them from ruining their life. The fact is, God is preparing us all for something by the experiences of life, and may God help us not to refuse the task or job that He has prepared for us. There is great sadness to the words, He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. Even sadder is the fact that He has yet come to many and they reject Him still. It happened to Jesus, Long ago, and it still happens today. Oh, I urge you not to be one of those who reject Him, but find the joy that comes from finding His plan for your life. I think of the many times I thought God was through with my life, only to find, as long as I have breath, God has a task for me to do. Therein is the joy of the Lord. I pray today that God will add His blessing to His word and help you to choose for Him. Listen to the words of this beautiful old hymn, If Jesus Goes With Me. If Jesus goes, it may be in the valley, where countless dangers hide. It may be in the sunshine, that I in peace abide. But this one thing I know, if it be dark or fair, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Tis heaven to me, wherever I may be, if he is there. I count it a privilege here his cross to bear. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. It may be I must carry the blessed word of life across the burning desert to those in sinful strife. And though it be my lot to bear my colors there, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. But if it be my portion to bear my cross at home, while others bear their burdens beyond the billows foam. I'll prove my faith in him, confess his judgments fair, and if he stays with me, I'll stay anywhere. It is not mine to question the judgments of my Lord. It is but mine to follow the leading of his word. But if to go or stay, or whether here or there, I'll be with my Savior, content anywhere. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere, his heaven to me, where'er I may be, If he is there, I count it a privilege dear, his love to share. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere.
0: Thank you, Pastor Bennett. Yes, no matter where, no matter the cost, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Thank you for being with us today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Next week, Pastor will share his thoughts on John 1, verses 12-14. Here's a preview. We are by faith the children of God, and the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.